You're listening to The Collected Podcast, bringing you stories that remind us who God is and who we are in Him. The Collected Podcast is a production of Collected Ministries. Follow Collected on social media at Collected Podcast. And be sure to visit thecollectedpodcast.com for show notes and additional content related to today's episode. Welcome to Season 6, Episode 1 of The Collected Podcast. I'm your host, Jess Biondo, and this week I'm flying solo to bring you um, a message that God has been working on in my heart for many months, um, and also to bring you a really exciting announcement. Uh, So welcome to Season 6. I can't believe we're here already. Um, Gosh, I mean... Our topic for this week, spoiler alert, uh, is Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide, the Lord will see to it. And just in this moment, thinking about the start of our sixth season, finishing five years of doing this podcast and seeing God's faithfulness and His provision every single week as He provides guests and messages and resources and just everything we need, everything I need to keep this thing going. Um, I feel emotional. I I didn't know what I was going to say about season six. I, I mapped out my message and um, I'm going to share a exciting story with you. If you've been on our Instagram page, you know what it is. Uh, but I wanted to just take a moment and pause and tell you how grateful I am that you have been with me on this journey. And, um, you know, through all the changes that you've continued to prioritize learning about who God is and who you are in Him. And whether you do that through listening to this podcast every other week, um, or even if you don't listen every time, just you're making that a priority to continue to learn about the character of God is so important. And you don't have to listen to this show ever again, but I pray and encourage you to continue to learn who God is because you will continue to be blown away. And the more we learn, the more we realize we've hardly even scratched the surface because He is so vast and He is so good and He is so powerful and He is fully love and fully judgment, and He is a fully grace and mercy, and yet He also, I don't that judgment aspect of His character, as I've been reading through the Bible this year, is something I think I always avoided because I didn't know how to reconcile it. And I've, I've talked about this before on past episodes, um, and we're going to touch on it a little bit today as well. But God as judge I the more I learn about it, it I believe it enhances his goodness. It isn't contrary to his goodness. Um, and so we'll get to that a little bit later in the episode. But all that to say, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart for continuing to support this show and continuing to tune in and share it and um ultimately for continuing on this journey with me of learning more about who God is and resting in who we are in Him, because in Him we are complete and whole and enough. Um, But it's only through through Him that we can, you know, that we can walk in those things. Um, Yeah, so thank you. 
Um, okay, so if you haven't been on Instagram, I have some big news. I am engaged. John proposed um, a couple of weeks ago, well, a week and a half ago now, and I am just over the moon. Um, I posted a video to my Instagram page, and I'll repost it again once this episode drops, so you can check it out at Collected Ministries or at Jess Biondo, Jess with one S, um, to see a little video of our trip. But I wanted to share the story here with all of our listeners because I know many of you have been on a journey with us, um, and with me in particular, um, especially this year. I shared on an episode a few months back that John and I actually took a break, and I I thought we were over. Um, I felt like I, I didn't know what was going to happen, and I knew God could work a miracle, and I knew that if John was the one for me, God would make it happen. But I also knew that often I don't get what I want because God knows I need something different. So I was really— in that season back in February and March of this year, trying to release John and release the relationship and trust that God had a bigger plan in mind. And He did. And this is one of those cases where I just rejoice because the thing I was desiring and praying for did and does align uh, with God's plan. And just the way I have seen God work in our relationship and draw John and I closer to each other and closer to Him, closer to the Lord, has just blown me away. Um, and so it's been a wild past six or seven months um, since John came back and we ended our break and we decided we're going to do this. Um, you know, when that happened, in my mind, I was like, okay, then we'll be probably engaged in a month. So it still took a little more time than I anticipated. I'm always trying to be hasty, uh, but the timing ended up being so perfect. And I'm so thankful for all that God did along the way and all that God did in that season of waiting and preparing us for what was next. So here's the story. Um, Back at the end of October, we were in Napa for a friend's 40th birthday party. And before the trip, so many friends and coworkers and family members were asking me, do you think he's going to do it? Do you think it's going to happen? And I was very mentally preparing myself for like, no, we're going there for another purpose. We're going there to celebrate someone else. I don't want to expect something and have it just ruin the trip for me because I'm disappointed if it doesn't happen or I'm just, you know, anticipating it. And so I'm not living in the moment. So in my mind, I was like, no, it's not happening. We're going on this trip. We're going to have a wonderful time. And then we'll see what happens when we get home. Um, so the trip goes by. We have an amazing time just exploring different vineyards and wineries and uh, the weather was gorgeous, so just being out in God's creation was so life-giving. Um, and we drank some wine, you know, here or there, too. Um, and so Wednesday goes by, Thursday, Friday. We get to Saturday. It's our last day. And at this point, I'm certain it's not happening. Like, the whole trip, I was wearing white dresses and, you know, making sure my hair and makeup was, like, perfect because I might get engaged, even though I was telling people— it wasn't going to happen, you know, secretly. I was like, well, but if it does, I need to be ready. Um, so Saturday rolls around. I was like, okay, if he was going to do it, he would have already done it because up until Saturday, we had a legitimate professional photographer on the trip. And then Saturday, that friend wasn't with us anymore. And so in my mind, I was like, okay, it's not happening. 
you know, so gone are the white dresses, back to normal clothes, um, and just enjoying the day. And then we're at our last vineyard of the trip, and it's set up on a hill, and we have just this beautiful 360 view of vineyards and rolling hills and the mountains in the background. And since we were the last tasting there of the day, we could kind of linger and watch the sunset. And so the sun is setting, and we've taken so many photos, and it's finally, for the first time on the trip, just the two of us, John and I, for like kind of our first romantic moment of the trip. The trip was so fun, but I wouldn't really describe it as romantic for us, Um, you know, just fun with friends. And so it was this first moment of being alone and just taking in the beauty, and John says words I have never heard him say in our over four years of dating and, you know, decade of friendship, he says, "Um, I think we should take one more picture. (laughs) Like, okay. So in that moment, I was like, wait a second. Oh my gosh. So he like leads me over back to kind of where the vineyards are and I am freaking out. And it's kind of this like awkward moment because now I'm like, oh my gosh, this is happening. Where do I stand? How do I act? What am I supposed to do? Um, So this like moment that I've been praying for for literally years is now upon me, and I'm like, so much prayer, and I didn't even I didn't even prepare for what I'm actually supposed to do. (laughs) Um, And then I didn't know if it was really happening. So we're like kind of walking around. I can tell he's trying to find a perfect spot, and then all of a sudden he's on one knee, and I keep just repeating, "Is this a joke? Is this real? Is this real? Are is this real?" So I don't even know what he said in that moment. I had him tell me again later. So I was like, I want to know what sweet things you said. Um, But in the moment, I think I kind of blacked out, totally missed it. And I didn't even think he had the ring with him. Turns out he had the ring in his pocket the entire trip, just waiting for a moment that felt right or a beautiful moment. And um, that was the moment, the, the last possible moment of the trip. And it was so beautiful. And I was completely shocked. I saw the ring in his hand and I think I just like grabbed it and shoved it on my finger. And he's like, is that a yes? I'm like, yes, that's a yes. Um, and it was really, really wonderful. And I I don't know what I expected or anticipated, um, but in the moment, I completely lost my cool and lost my mind. and was so excited. And of course, it was the easiest yes of my life. And if you're watching the video, here's the ring. I'm trying to hold it up. Um, he did such an amazing job. I love it. I can't stop staring at it. I don't know if that feeling will ever go away. Um, but if you're not watching the YouTube video, I'll post pictures on the Instagram account as well. So you can see some pictures of that day and um, of the ring and just how happy we are. Um, yeah, so there is the engagement story exclusive for our podcast listeners. Um, I feel like you all have been on this journey with me for a really long time, so you deserved the full story. Um, and then we went back and told our friends, and everyone was shocked. John had not told a single person that this could potentially happen on the trip. So everyone was just as surprised as me, um, but just as joyful. And we had some champagne and it was really wonderful to call our parents and tell them. And um, yeah, everyone, the just the outpouring of love and encouragement has meant so much. And we're really excited to see what God's going to do next. So starting to look at venues and dates and 
all of that, but also just trying to really soak in this moment and enjoy this season now of engagement and not try and rush into the next thing. So that is a constant thing the Lord is teaching me of just like, stop, rest, breathe, and enjoy where you are now. Stop trying to control the future and just enjoy. Um, so there is the story. And um, I think this leads perfectly into the message for today of leaning into Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. But as I mentioned, you know, I think it's easy, maybe if you're listening to say like, oh, of course you're talking about the Lord will provide. He just provided the thing you wanted. <laughs> you Like I, I did, I got what I wanted in this case, but but I haven't always, and this is actually a message that I began working on when I was in the thick of thinking I was going to lose that relationship completely um, and still recognizing that the Lord is the provider because what He— he, he may not always provide the tangible thing we want, but He is always providing Himself. And no matter what happens in this life, when He provides Himself and His power and His peace and His presence, then ultimately all else pales in comparison. So even if John and I would have been done last March, God would still be faithful to provide for my needs and to— to give His presence and to provide His peace and His joy and His comfort, no matter what the circumstance. And so even though this message happens to correspond with a a moment of celebration in my life, I fully recognize that not everyone is in a moment of celebration and that actually right now in the world, there is so much pain and grief and torture um, and bloodshed and I don't take that lightly. And um, often on this podcast, I don't talk about current events or politics. Like this is a place where we remember who God is. And the natural outflowing of that would be then that the things of this world don't rattle us because we are rooted in His character and we know that He is sovereign above all. Um, and so I don't want to get into certain things happening in the world because there's nothing new in the world in a sense. Like, evil has always been there, and evil seems more evil in certain points in history, and I feel like we're in one of those points now. But this is not new to the Lord, and this did not surprise Him, the things that happen on our in our world today. Um, but even though I don't normally talk about it, I wanted to take a moment— to recognize that all that there is pain and um, none of us are immune to it. But God is so sovereign and He has a plan and a purpose to bring all things back to Him and to bring redemption and reconciliation and a new heaven and a new earth. And part of this name of Jehovah Jireh is the Lord who provides, but it's also the Lord who sees to it. He foresees what is to come. He is not surprised by grief and devastation or celebration. None of it is a surprise to Him, and, and it grieves His heart as well, This the evil and the sin. But since the beginning of time, He has been making a way 
to redeem it. And that's what Jehovah Jireh encompasses, that he's providing for our daily needs, yes, but it's so much deeper than that. He is providing a way for humanity to be whole again. And this moment in time is just one part of this big, grand story for the total redemption and healing of humanity. And that is the message that we need right now, I think. And that message is not possible or complete without the work of Jesus and His death and resurrection. And that is the ultimate way that God provided. And that story is foreshadowed in the story we're going to look at today with Abraham and Isaac, where we see the first instance of this name of Jehovah Jireh. The first and only use of Jehovah Jireh is in Genesis 22. And God as a provider is talked about a lot in the Bible, but the actual phrase of Jehovah Jireh is seen here in Genesis 22. Um, So let's dive in. Um, oh my gosh, this episode might be longer than I anticipated, but I'm going to keep us moving and um, stick with me. I feel like this is a message that um, that has a lot of meaning and a lot of relevance for us today. So this name, again, of Jehovah Jireh embodies how the Lord foresees and provides for every need. In his book, All the Divine Names and Titles of God by Herbert Lockyer, my favorite book that I reference all the time. And I need to see if he's available. I would love to actually have him on the podcast since I quote him so much. We might as well hear directly from him. Um, But he explains, because of his omniscience and perfection of character, he, meaning God, is able to provide for or supply the need, whatever it may be. We may foresee a need that may arise, yet be incapable of making any provision at all for the need. What he foresees, he can furnish. Amen. Uh, Praise the Lord. As I said, he is sovereign and all-knowing and able to provide. And I just praise him that he can provide for our needs when our own resources run dry, when we are at our wit's end, when we have tried everything we can think of and we have nothing left to give, we have no one left to call, That is when God steps in and we just see Him work a miracle like only He can and provide and work behind the scenes like only He can. And so I want to encourage you today that that the ultimate thing that He is providing to fulfill our needs is not a thing at all. Rather, it's Himself. And I've already talked about this a little bit, but it's Jesus providing His own life because God foresaw the need for a Savior from the beginning of the world. He foresaw the need and He provided the way for us to be right with Him. Every single story in the Old Testament is pointing toward Jesus and our need for a Savior. One commentary I read um, called Old Testament Today, describes this name of God's ability to sustain and fulfill and be faithful through trials and testing. I love that. This name is God's ability to sustain and be faithful through trials and testing. Mm, That's good because we're We've all experienced some trials and testing. So calling on God as Jehovah Jireh, our provider, doesn't mean that He will give you what you want in the moment. You may not get the job or the relationship or the house or the 
fill in your blank of whatever it is that you specifically are praying for right now, but you will get access to the peace and power and presence of the God of the universe. He will always provide a way for His promises to be true. He did not promise that life would be easy. So so that's not something we're guaranteed, but He did promise that he would never leave you or forsake you. And Jesus reminds us of this in Matthew 28, 20, when he says, surely I am with you until the very end of the age. And the age has not ended yet, so he is still with us, and that is his promise. Um, So let's talk about the first time that we see this name, the first and only time we see this name used in the Bible. Um, And it's in Genesis 14. So in this story— At this point in the story, God has provided a ram to sacrifice in place of his son, Isaac. So we've looked at the Old Testament, specifically at Abraham, a lot as we've been going through the names of God because they they happen pretty early on in the Bible, a lot of them in Abraham's life. And so at this point in Abraham's story, he's on another crossroads in his faith. His long-awaited son has arrived after 20 years of waiting for this promise that God made. Finally, his son is here. Abraham's 100, his wife Sarah's 90, and over two decades ago, God spoke to Abraham and promised Abraham land, seed, and blessing. God promised that Abraham's descendants would be a great nation. But— As we can all assume, it's very difficult to become a great nation without an heir. If you do not have children, the line stops with you. Um, So you can imagine the rejoicing that took place when Isaac was finally born. God did it. God made a way and provided a son. It was finally happening. I feel that right now. Like the thing I've been wanting and praying for finally happened. God did it. Um, Now— Imagine, you know, if you've had a moment like that, God made a way for you, did the miraculous thing that you've been waiting for, and that moment is so sweet, and it's so easy to praise the name of the Lord when you've experienced an outpouring of His provision. But what would happen if God asked you to give up the very thing that was supposed to be the fulfillment of His promise to you? That's what's happening here. When God asked Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, his only heir, God is essentially asking Abraham, do you believe that I am faithful to fulfill my promises even when it doesn't make sense, even when it goes against the rational thought of man? If God had said that a great nation would come from Abraham and Isaac, then Abraham had to choose to believe that God would provide a substitute for Isaac— which is what ended up happening, or that God would raise Isaac from the dead. That if Abraham did sacrifice Isaac, then God was big enough and powerful enough to raise Isaac from the dead because God said that the nation would come from Isaac, so there has to be an Isaac. So therefore, if A plus B equals C, (laughs) then Isaac would be raised from the dead. Because he can't actually die because God has this promise. is would, I'd imagine, have to be Abraham's thought process, which is wild. That is a radical faith to trust God even when it doesn't seem to make sense in the world's eyes. To kill your only child that all your hopes and dreams rest on, 
from his descendants, yet all the hopes and dreams don't actually rest on Isaac. They rest in the Lord. They rest in God, who is faithful to provide, and he will fulfill every promise he makes. So even when the obedient step doesn't make sense— God sees beyond our rational understanding. He sees the big picture. He sees the full plan. And the sacrificing of Isaac, which didn't happen because he provided somebody, well, something else, the ram and the thicket. We'll get to that in a minute. But the whole point was to show future generations and even us still today that God provided a substitute sufferer. And that's exactly what he did when he sent Jesus. And yet, Jesus didn't get an out like Isaac did. Jesus did die. God did sacrifice his son. He didn't make Abraham do it, but God did it. And yet, Jesus was raised from the dead. Just like Abraham may have anticipated what happened to Isaac, it didn't happen then. It happened later. And this is a foreshadowing for what is to come. And so in this story of Genesis 22, and I didn't read the whole thing, um, but if this isn't a story you're familiar with, it's all found in Genesis 22. So go read it, dig into it, and see all this for yourself. It's all right there. Um, So this story happens on Mount Moriah. And on this mountain, God did indeed provide a lamb to take Isaac's place. And we see Mount Moriah referenced a few other times in the the Old Testament. So we see it again in 2 Chronicles 3.1, which says Solomon, um, so King Solomon at the time, began to build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, where the Lord appeared to his father David at the place where David had prepared on the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. Okay, so the temple is going to be built on Mount Moriah, but it references here this story about King David and something that happened on this threshing floor of Mount Moriah. And so um, I dug a little deeper because I wanted to see, well, what did King David do on this mountain? So this story is found in 2 Chronicles 21, 26 through 27. So at this point, King David has sinned against the Lord because he took a census Uh, which is like, that doesn't seem like a big deal. Seems like something a leader would do. Um, But the root of this was pride. He wanted to see how strong and powerful he was instead of resting in the Lord to provide the victory. He wanted to count his men to make sure that he could provide the victory, King David, instead of relying on the Lord. So that's, I mean, the root of that sin is the exact same thing The exact same reason why Adam and Eve ate the apple. It's this need for control and this need to be self-autonomous, that God isn't good enough to provide. I need to know more. I need to be able to provide for myself. Um, That one hits home. Um, I can struggle with that pride as well. Um, So this verse says, David built an altar to the Lord there and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. He called on the Lord and the Lord answered him with fire from heaven on the altar of burnt offerings. Then the Lord spoke to the angel and he put his sword back in its sheath. So this sacrifice that David offered was an atonement for his sin and it made him right with the Lord again. That the angels put away, put their swords back in their sheets, okay? There's not going to be judgment because this sacrifice was made, this 
blood was spilled to atone for the sin of David, and now he's in right standing and right relationship with the Lord. So this is the same place, this Mount Moriah, where God provided a scapegoat for Isaac, where Solomon would build the temple, um, you know, where we see David atoning for his sin through this sacrifice. And with Solomon building the temple there, um, the temple is where all the sacrifices were made for anyone who needed to atone for their sin to become right with the Lord again, right? And so in this spot, we see examples of God's grace, mercy, and provision. But like I was talking about in the beginning of the podcast, we also see His judgment. And to ignore God as judge and only see Him in light of His mercy is to discount our entire need for a Savior, Because God is judge and needs us to be holy and righteous to commune with Him, because He is so holy and righteous, that creates our need for a Savior. If God was only mercy and grace and didn't hold us to this standard of judgment, then there's no need for Jesus, and then God wouldn't really be holy. Because if He's really holy, then He he can't— have unholiness around him because he's too perfect and sovereign, right? So it's (laughs) just kind of picture this infinity of how it's all connected and it all weaves together this perfect story for our redemption through Jesus because God knows his character. He knows he is full of grace, full of mercy, full of judgment, full of love. He has all these things at once and it's not confusing to him. Like he knows who he is. And he knows what needed to be done in order for us to be able to come to him, which is so good. Like, it blows my mind. Um, Yeah, so like, sit with that for a minute. Uh, pause if you need to, because I actually need to keep <laughs> keep moving on. Um, but, oh, I'm going to think more on that later. That This is all just kind of verbal processing at this point. Um, and that that hit me, like, God's not surprised by his character. He fully knows who he is. It seems kind of like, duh, but if you really think on what that means and the implications of that, I think it's pretty wild. Um, okay, so back to Solomon's temple. Every animal that was sacrificed in Solomon's temple was to atone for our sins, and every single one of them would point to Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice. So just like the ram in the thicket took the place of Isaac, so the perfect spotless lamb of God, Jesus, took our place. He suffered the death we deserve, and God did indeed raise Jesus from the dead. So he didn't have to raise Isaac, but he did raise Jesus. Abraham's son did not have to die and be raised because the Lord was already going before him to work on a far greater plan for saving all of humanity. Isaac's death would not have saved all of humanity, even if he was raised from the dead. It would have, you know, saved the nation of Israel, but God's plan was bigger than the Israelites. And the Israelites are his chosen people, and they are such a vital, huge part of his plan. But God also had a plan for the Gentiles and for all of humanity. His plan was so much bigger and more good than we could ever have imagined, than Abraham could have ever imagined in this moment, probably. You know, I'm imagining. I wasn't there. Um, The Son of God did not stay in the grave, and God was faithful to fulfill every single promise through Jesus. Oh, that's 
That's good. I mean, if you really believe that, I don't know how you couldn't feel excited about it. I mean, it's it's so good. So because of the great love and provision of Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider, the Lord who sees to it, we have nothing to worry about in this life. When chaos and fear surround us, we know that we have a God who brings order out of chaos, a God who is not surprised by the evil that seeks to devour us. He's not surprised by terrorism. He hates it. He detests it. He can't stand it, but he's not surprised by it. And he is working out his plan to provide ultimate victory and a redeemed and restored creation and a new heaven and a new earth. And Lord, we desire that so deeply. Lord, bring your healing, bring your redemption, work your miracles in our broken planet like only you can, Father. Father, do it. Provide for it like only you can. And until he does, listener, snuck in a prayer. Now I'm talking to you again. Until the day when the Lord comes back, we find hope in his word. In Luke 12, 22 through 34, and in Matthew 6, 25 through 34, we're reminded that God takes care of the birds of the air. So how much more will he take care of us? We are His beloved children. So if He clothes the grasses and the lilies in the field, how much more will He clothe us and provide for our needs? He cares about every little detail. But even if every little detail doesn't work out how you anticipated or how you hoped, it all fits into this beautiful, big picture of drawing you closer to Him and providing eternal life and salvation forever. And this life is a blip. When we think of all eternity that we get to spend in perfect peace and joy and harmony with our Savior and Lord, that's the motivator. I mean, that's what keeps us contending for the faith and running after Him and digging deeper into who He is, even when this world feels like it's trying to crush us. So I want to leave you today with a few verses of hope of God as our provider. Philippians 4.19, And my God shall supply all of your needs according to His riches in glory in Jesus Christ. In Matthew 6.8, The Father knows what you need even before you ask Him. Isaiah 31.1, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help, who rely on horses, who trust in the multitude of their chariots and in the great strength of their horsemen, but do not look to the Holy One of Israel or seek help from the Lord. That one, very convicting for me, of this idea that I'm not going to Egypt for help and I don't rely on horses, but my first call if I'm in need will be to a family member. I'll call my mom or my dad or John or someone who I know loves me and has resources to help me. I don't rely on horses, but I rely on my car and my house and my paycheck to get the things I need, and and that's not bad. But if those things trump my desire and my reliance on the Lord, then that's where we get in trouble, right? Um, And then this final verse I want to leave us with, with 1 
Thessalonians, <laughs> getting tongue-tied, 524, the one who calls you is faithful. He will do it. So rest in that today. And um, I challenge you to read Genesis 22. Go back, dig in on your own. Um, find more verses that are examples of God's provision and faithfulness. They are all over the Bible. I pulled like four or five of them, but there are hundreds. Um, so find some of your own and pick one that speaks the most encouragement to your heart today and write it out on a note card and put it somewhere um, where you'll see it throughout the week and just let it remind you that we serve a God who is faithful to provide for every small detail and He's providing the massive final victory for all of humanity. I mean, the fact that our God can do both at the same time is just another example of how He's far bigger than our minds can even fathom. So, welcome to season six. I'm excited. I feel like God's doing something new. Maybe I say that in every season, but He does something new every season, so it's fine. Um, and I feel very convicted that I need to speak more um, and get to work on some things that He has put in front of me that I've been dragging my feet on. So welcome to the journey that will be season six, and I'm so excited you're along for the ride. I am praying for you and sending love out across the airwaves, um, and I pray that you see and experience the richness of the love of the Father in new ways this week. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Collected Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you'd help spread the word. Check back here for new episodes dropping every other Thursday. You can follow along on social media at Collected Ministries. 